This is the Linear Clarity Podcast. I'm Coach Ratner. This is Lloyd Blythick, and today we're talking about the seven reasons why you are still single. Lloyd, you know, I, have, I know so many people today that are still single, want to be married, and they're having a hard time finding finding a spouse. So let's go through it. Number one, I think that people are having a hard time today because they're not emotionally available. And why do you think they're not emotionally available? I think because there's been dysfunction in their life. I think they've come from maybe uh, the parents had poor marriages. I think that they have a hard time loving themselves or have a hard time um, being able to love somebody else or allowing someone to love them. So I think that you're onto something when you talk about perhaps they grew up in a home where they didn't necessarily see a happy marriage. Sure. A lot of people, what's the divorce rate today? Uh, 50 to 60%. Okay. So of the people who stay married, let's say let's say 50% stay married. What percentage of them would you say of a happy marriage? Of the ones that are married? Yeah. I ask this question all the time. It's low, maybe. What do you think? I mean, maybe a quarter of them are happy married. At best, maybe less than that. So in a married audience, when I ask this question, okay, what is it, the 50%? Of the 50% who stay married, what percentage would you say have a happy marriage? In a married audience, I get as low as 10% and as high as 50%. Of the 50%. That means it's less than one out of four. I once did. I once spoke in front of about 120 uh, teenagers. Yes. And I, they asked for a talk. It was about Ten Commandments, whatever. And, and one of uh, the seven of the Ten Commandments is don't commit adultery. So I, I actually threw this out to them. I said, of all the people walking, you know, all the, of all the people getting married, how many get divorced? So they said 50%. And then I asked them, of the 50% who stay married, what percentage would you say have a happy marriage? Who are they thinking of, Daniel? Their parents. Right. You know what they said? Five percent, one percent. One percent. Yes. Two percent. It took me a while to get them up to 10 percent. If their parents could have been in the room, they'd be scared straight. So when I talk to a young couple who are going to get married, my husband's a rabbi. He marries people. He marries people. So sometimes I do some counseling beforehand, like in terms of marriage. Usually they think, they think I'm going to talk to them about the wedding ceremony, which I am, the house of the wise and the and the meaning behind it. But really, I want to talk to them about marriage. A friend of ours said, if only people spend as much time planning their marriages as they do their weddings, they'd be a lot better off. I, I say this all the time. When people, what's the first thing they do when people get engaged? They say, we're going to get married. They call their parents. They say, we're married. We're getting engaged. We're, we have a wedding. What do they do for the next three to six months? Not even three to six months. People literally get engaged. And they, they spend like two or three years planning this wedding. We always, we have, my husband and I have a saying, short engagements, long marriages. Sure. Nothing good happens during engagement. It brings up a lot of emotion and all the families are involved and all the money and all the decisions. Nothing good happens. You, if you know that this is the person, get engaged, get married. Okay. okay. Because I've seen relationships fall apart. I was, I had a girl sit down with me. And uh, before she got married, I go, how's it going? She goes, good. I go, how's it really going? She goes, just start crying because the families are making them nuts. How long does the average wedding last? We talked about this in the previous podcast, five, six hours max, right? Yet they spend their whole time planning who's going to come to the wedding, who's in the A-list, B-list, C-list, what what theme, what the day, who's going to sit where, and they're not planning for the rest of their life. The day they get married is the day the hard work starts. You know, I tell people, unless you're doing something like over the top and you're like flying in Bruno Mars or something, people remember the feeling of the wedding. 
not the appetizer, okay? And people spend a lot of time and arguing over appetizers. People remember the feeling of the wedding. So I say to, you know, when I when I counsel people and I, I say to them, like, of the 50% who, who stay married, what percent would you say have a happy marriage? So I tell them, listen, let's be very generous. I will say 50% of the 50% who stay married are happily married. And we're being very, very generous. Well, for all the people walking to 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 uh, uh, walk, uh, do they walk up the aisle or down the aisle? I think that no, we say down the aisle. I think it depends if you're north of the equator or south <laughs> of the equator. No, but if you, what's the saying? The people walk down the aisle, up the aisle. Why? Well, I, I, anyway, when people are getting married, okay. So if all the people getting that means one out of four, like you're saying, like because no one else are going to come out with a happy marriage, and, and no one's thinking to themselves walking down the aisle. Do you know what? We may be a statistic. Yeah. They don't realize that they've got seventy five. Or higher, seventy five percent chance. Higher. I have to. I don't know about you. I'm getting a little bit cynical going to weddings. Some of them, you know, sometimes it takes you a while to like send the present. Yeah. There was one where it was took me a little while before I sent the present. They it was over. <laughs> they were divorced. Like I think, God, I, I saved the present. <laughs> like it's, but that's not good. So you don't want to be a statistic. You don't want to be a statistic. So it it's a whole thing of like. Okay, so understand what marriage is. But when you're saying like a person is not emotionally unavailable. So when they said, when these teenagers, it was so painful. When they said 1%, 2% of the 50% and they're thinking about their parents. You are, you are a role model. Your parents are the role model of what marriage is to you. That's correct. And a lot of people are not, you're saying, are not emotionally available because they don't even emotionally understand what a healthy marriage is. So when you think about it, like out in the world, who's a good role model for marriage out there? Like in like in the world, like in Hollywood or in no one in Hollywood. No one. Hillary and Bill Clinton. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I think the Obamas are happily married. Yeah. I think they have a healthy, good marriage. And one of the things she said, I thought that was really good, actually. She says, you know what? We had a bad decade. Okay, like you could have a bad year. You could have a bad decade. Like marriages go through ups and downs, but you're committed to each other. You're all in. You're going to make this work. But there's a lot of times you grow up, your parents are either divorced. Some of them are like, I was speaking in South Africa and it was like a singles group, whatever, college kids. A couple of guys came up afterwards and they were talking about things. And I was saying, like, I said something about marriage and like, and they said, we're not getting married. We're never getting married. I go, but why would you say that? One guy said, my father's been married three times. My mother's been married two times. Why would I do this? You can imagine the collateral damage this poor kid has. So why would he do it? So when you're saying emotionally unavailable, it makes it sound like, well, you should get some therapy. What's wrong with you? No, no. You came out of a world where you didn't see a happy marriage. I have to tell you, uh, we have five kids. So four out of five are married. They all married kids who are from homes where their parents are so blessed. So blessed. Not a guarantee that their marriage is going to work out, oh. but that's a huge giant step forward. Your chances are so much higher. So much higher. Well, they're emotionally healthy. Now, I, I, and you say this a lot, and I've heard you say this, but and it's kind of hurts the people. I have to be very careful when I say this that, and there are times that parents should get divorced. Yes, minutes on sets. There are times, not 60%. But when should they get divorced? It, when it's so painful that they can't stand it, it, it there's a time. Okay, so I, this, well, let's not get into that. This is the metaphor. Not really? Because it's a, wait, that's all. That's all. Okay, but there are times. <laughs> okay, we will do a podcast in the future on when you should, on divorce. Okay, yep, we'll, right. we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But the re, so we're talking about seven reasons why you're still single. 
emotional unavailable does not mean also that you came from a uh, a poor or dysfunctional parents having a marriage. It also means that people don't love themselves sometimes. I always say, if you don't love yourself, you can't love somebody else. You know, that one of the most famous lines of the Bible, love your neighbor like yourself, right? Love your neighbor like yourself. So that means that if you don't love yourself, it's going to be hard to love somebody else. Of course. So for sure. But I, I do want to say, unless you know who you are and where you're going, you don't know who to go with. Until you know who you are and where you're going, you don't know who to go with. So there is a sense of like, we believe like in spiritually, like like marriage is oneness. You become one soul when you get married. You're half a soul and they're half a soul. You merge. So imagine like like you, you're, you're, it's like your soul's like a circle. God does not split you like this before you go into this world. He splits you like that, like two pieces of a puzzle that fit together. And that's why opposites attract, okay? So, but again, you have to be a whole half to merit that other half. Right. So, um, what do you tell people that? And I teach, obviously, I'm very big on teaching about self-esteem. I've watched podcasts on it, and I'm writing a book now called Unloved, The 12 Strategies to Cure Low Self-Esteem. Wow, good title. Yeah, yeah. Thank good you. Good title. Yeah, I, I work a lot for my titles. Wow, obviously. <laughs> I love my, my title I taught recently in the summer at, in, here in Jerusalem called Body, Soul, or Pokeball. And the class went over very, very well. Like, it's cute. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's cute, but I like Somebody actually said, I saw somebody else who was a podcast, and they said, uh, you know, they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Yes, you can. Yeah. I mean, you spend a lot of time on the covers and the title and the typeface. And that's the idea of like when a person presents themselves. Yeah, you can judge a person. Man. Yeah, but, but what they what the trainers tell you is that just because it's a, a, a sexy title or a nice title doesn't mean the book's good. No. You have an horrible title, the book's great. That's what they're trying to say. When somebody made an effort okay, yeah. to make something, hopefully, that reflects what's inside. I, and people think, it's funny, I heard Jerry Seinfeld being interviewed by um, Howard Story Story. And Howard, Jerry was telling how he, everything he's possibly thinking of Joe, thinking yeah. of life's experience that yeah. tell over. Yeah. And, and he's, I, even right now, I'm doing it. And, and Harold Stone said, that must be a miserable life. You must be, that's horrible. How you could, like, you never get to relax. He goes, no, I enjoy this. And I'm thinking to myself, that's what I do. I'm just like Jerry Seinfeld. I'm constantly thinking of titles and ideas and classes. In fact, that's all I do all day long. Wow. When I'm walking my dog, when I'm running on the treadmill, when I'm, even unfortunately, when I'm praying, you know, sometimes I, especially on Friday night, when I'm getting out of the week and getting into the Shabbos, my mind's on these, all these concepts. And by the way, the best time that I write are two places. On a plane, when I have no distractions, except, you know, my computer. I, I also write books on and And also... On Saturday morning, Shabbos morning, you know, we, we keep Shabbos in our family, just like you, and, you know, the neighborhood's quiet, and there's no phone, there's nothing going on. I sit with a cup of coffee on my balcony for two hours. I'm like, I wonder if there's a way that I can, like, sink and something could store, can I have all this information went to my head? So, so on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, like, you're not writing, you can't write things down. No, I can't write anything That's how the ideas come. They're right. But why is the idea coming? Because I'm clear, yeah. clarity. Yeah, I could. Clarity. It's what's puckers later be clarity. But clarity comes when you clear the noise. Right. And that's the great thing about the Sabbath, about Shabbat, the idea of to disconnect in order to connect. Not only you're connecting to something greater than yourself, to God and to your family and to your community, but you're connecting to yourself. I know we know we should we should tell Jerry something about this. I think Jerry we should definitely tell Jerry something about that Shabbat. <laughs> Jerry, if you're out there, Happy to talk to you. Yeah, because he, I think he would really appreciate the idea that he could really think of jokes and things like that. Anyway, so I think that a reason why, one of the seven reasons that people are emotionally not available and they're not, they don't love themselves. If, they're, if their dual marriage is, is a poor marriage or divorced marriage, 
why should they get married? I'm not emotionally available. I think that's one of the reasons why people are still single. I think number two, another reason is that people had been in a previous relationship themselves and they either got hurt, they got damaged, uh, someone cheated on them and they've been hurt from a previous relationship. And they're like, why should I open my heart to somebody else when it's going to get hurt? And I think that is, it's emotional damage also. And that's why some people are still single because they can't get over a previous relationship. You know, I, I can I say something on this previous relationship yeah, stuff? Yeah. I think people make a mistake. The, the advice I give, and I'm not, I'm going to generalize because there's always exceptions. When it's over, it should be over. When you hang on and it's like, oh, but we're, we're going to be friends now. Okay. Oh, gosh, Just, you know, because it's Seinfeld. We're talking about Seinfeld. Yeah. Like, like with Elaine, yeah. like they dated before, but then they became friends. Yeah. Like they somehow they made that work. Well, that's nice in the TV show. When it's over, it should be clean and over. When you rip that bandage off, because when it, you're just, when you're still involved in your friends, first of all, I, w- I want to say that there's no such thing as a purely platonic relationship between a man and a woman. There's for sure not. People hate, don't like to hear this. They don't like to hear it because they think, why can't I be friends with, you know, my friends? Some of my best friends are guys. Like, that's how, so because the guys want to have sex with all the girls. I mean, no offense, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I hate to be bluntly, but that is general rule of guys. You know, maybe we can make a link to something that somebody did a film and they went onto a college campus yeah. and they were asking girls like, oh, do you have friends who are guys? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pure platonic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they went to the guy and like, and then the guy was like, and like you said, like if you were, like if you're, if, if she would be interested in it being more than just friends, would you be interested? A hundred percent. Like, we're going to do it. Yeah, totally. Okay. So people, a lot of women are living in La La Land. Yeah. They think like, oh, it's purely platonic. And that's not a bad thing that there's this tension that goes on between people who are attracted to each other. Like, that's not a bad thing. So, but just be cognizant of it or be yeah. aware of it. So when people say like, okay, we're still going to, so usually one of, at least one on one side is thinking it's still going to, it's going to happen again. Okay. Like we broke up, but we're just friends, but I'm waiting for my opening again. You're really holding, if you really cared about somebody, you would, you would just make it clean. Let them go. Because it's holding you back and holding them back. back from going on to find the right person. So it's like when you rip the bandage off, it hurts. Like you're saying this pain. No, I'm... But it hurts, but then it's over. But if you take it off slowly, it just keeps hurting and hurting and hurting. Make it clean. So there is there is a thing to say, because I don't know if... I, mean, I was in previous relationships, and it was extremely painful. It's, it's, it's extremely painful, and it does take time to get over. And you always hope, like, maybe it's going to work. You start to think in your head, well, maybe if I did this, this would happen. If I do this, it would happen. And there's always a time period where you have to, and the only thing that really is to heal this internal damage, it is damage. You are, you are, you're emotionally hurt. Yeah. Is time. And this is why I tell people. But, but, but if you don't take them out of your contacts. Yeah, you got it. You, you don't yourself. take them out of your friends and on social media and you stop going onto their site to see who they're with now, you are never going to heal. No, but you have to find something else to compensate for the lack of that initial connection. And for me, what I found was exercise. I started to do, to do Run every day. I got back in shape. I started riding bikes and started swimming. And so you've got to find something else that's going to take you out and maybe one sporty events, whatever it is. And then eventually, hopefully, somebody else that you can have into your life. But it just takes time. And when you've gone over, when you've had a previous relationship and it's damaged you, it's hard to want to go back into one. It's just, it's, 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 yeah, it's true. It, it, it's, there's a lot of, lot of scar, a lot of yeah. scar tissue. Yeah. We talked about already if your parents had a horrible marriage, so why bother trying? That's another one of the reasons why you're still single. We're going to move on from that one. No, I do want to say though, just because your parents didn't have a good marriage doesn't mean there aren't happy marriages out there. No, so no. you should look 
and seek out a role model of a good marriage? Well, you know, I have we we worked on this worksheet together called, um, I, I think it was called um, finding the ten finding the ten qualities that are good for you in a relationship. And the worksheet asked, try to think of married couples that you know that you cherish you cherish the couple, and what about their marriage that you cherish? What are the what are the character traits that they have in their marriage that you really that you really cherish? Or think of someone you have in your life you know is married. It can be your and be your rabbi, your priest, your social media person. I don't Somebody... think your priest is married. Oh, right, yeah, not. <laughs> well, you never know. There's there like... are priests in other, I think, in the Greek Orthodox Church. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I'm not going to get into all the details yeah, of that. Yeah. But if... No, but you should seek out, because maybe it's yeah, right. a grandparent, sure. maybe it's an aunt and uncle, maybe it's a teacher. You should seek out, just like you look for mentors for your professional life to be successful, sure. you should look for mentors for your relationships, too. Sure. I think that's true. Now, one thing you talked about before is not having a, not having a clear vision of what you want to like, right? So if you're still single, what am I looking for in a relationship? What kind of person do I want to marry? Why do I, we discussed in the previous podcast? Why do I want to be married? For a woman, we know it's more. If you don't know the why, you not get what. It's going to be very very hard to to make good choices. It, it, it's listen. It's um. It's really funny when 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 I, we ask women to come to our table. For meals, and I say, you know, um, we're looking for in a relationship, and they always say, well, you know, someone's outgoing and fun. Like, they, what do they usually describe themselves? Themselves. Why? Who do you love the most? Themselves. So you think that you're gonna? Well, yeah, but that goes back to like, it's good if you love yourself. It is, but it's a mistake to think that I'm going to marry. Like, the whole idea of marriage is you're going to realize your potential through this union. So if you marry somebody like you, it's just more you. Like you're the extrovert in your family, yeah. in your marriage, yeah. and your wife is more the introvert. I'm the extrovert in our marriage, and my husband is more the introvert. So I bring him out, and he helps me to go deeper and focus. Sure. So if I, when I was first dating, I was being set up with guys like me, okay? Like outgoing guys, and extrovert, and the dates were fun. Yeah. But I realized, like, I can't marry a guy like that. Can you imagine coming to my house Friday night for dinner? Okay, there's me, and there's a guy like me, like everybody likes too much. You see, there's yin and yang. You know, like, like there, there is that balance. The idea of like two pieces of a puzzle that fit together, and though that's good. I got to tell you, I, I never really thought that I think about it more now that my wife being introverted, me being more extrovert, and she does. I mean, like it really helps us have a nice balanced marriage because I have to make sure we invite guests to her house and you not too many. I can have a few, but like make sure that I take I take into account her feelings and how she feels. That is, I want to have more people than she really wants. I have to make it easier for her to be able to handle it. So I do things. Yeah, but that is thinking about the other person. What's important to you is important to me, which is a whole other thing about love. But what I'm saying is is something else. How have you grown? Not just by thinking about her, but uh, when I said I bring my husband out and he's a much happier, more social person because of me, but I'm a much more deep, I'm a deeper, more thoughtful, more sensitive, more empathic, and more intuitive person because of my husband. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Not just like, oh, I can't have too many people because my husband's an introvert over. It's what am I gaining from being married to an introvert? And what is he gaining by being married to an extrovert? Sure. So that's the whole idea. It's not just balance. It's like I'm bringing out qualities in myself that would have been latent, would, would not are not my natural qualities, but he brings that out in me. She does, for sure. And my wife and my, myself also. You knew me, but 18 years ago. Am I the same person I was 18 years ago? I didn't. Well, no, you are You are always a happy, optimistic, driven guy. Yeah. But now it's framed in a much more meaningful way. It's a much more 
uh, more nuanced, more refined, that you've been able to channel all of that that God gave you. And in, in I'm not sure that's from, I think, your learning and your growth that you've done and bringing meaning and spirituality into your life. But it's also marriage. It's like your wife is a very spiritual person. Your wife is like so good for you. Yeah. So good for you. And my husband, I always tell my husband, I'm the greatest thing that ever happened to you. I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. It's true. But he's also the best thing that ever happened to me. Sure. You, know, you haven't heard my wife speak, but she, she's unbelievable. I mean, like we get people to our house and she starts talking. Like everybody's just sucked into her. It's unbelievable. She's so spiritual and so passionate. Like I, I, I almost feel like it's a way that she's not somewhere speaking, doing something. But see, when your wife speaks, like she's like people are drawn in. Yeah. Like you put it out. Yeah. Like I'm more like I put it out there, and then people are drawn to it. But your wife, like she just she draws sons. Yeah. My not does the same way. My not yeah, when he speaks, he's like he measures his words, what he says he means. He's he has with gentle wisdom, and he knows how to take that wisdom. And give it to the person because he understands who that person is individually and to give it to them. Okay. So what about people who are too desperate? Do they? Does that keep them from getting married when they're really desperate and like, we'll do anything for our marriage? I, I find like I see me, women who are in their 30s and 40s, and they so much want to get married, especially for women because the time clock. Uh, does that keep them from being married because they're just too desperate and just be relaxed? And then, you know what? If I get married, I get married. If I don't, I don't. Do you think that's a detriment to people getting married? I think that... We're going to go back to what you need this podcast, clarity. Yes. I don't care what decision it is, whether it's marriage or it's making a, buying a house or it's, should I take this job? You want clarity. If you are desperate, you're going to take the wrong job. You're going to make the wrong purchase and you're going to choose the wrong person to marry. You want to be in a place. It's what you would call it. The, 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 I'm going to translate the term, a settled mind. What is that? Okay. In, it's a place of the four C's. If you're in the place of the four C's, you're going to make good choices. What are the four C's? Calm, clear, connected, and compassionate. If you're in the space where I'm calm, clear, connected, and compassionate, now make a purchase. Now make a choice. Now choose a doctor. Now click send on the email. But if you are desperate or anxious or freaking out or depressed, this is not a good time to make a choice. Don't make a choice. How do you get to those four C's? Whenever works work. Can you repeat that for our audience again? The four C's? Calm, clear, connected, and compassionate. That's the space God wants you to be in. So if you have a situation, it's like, and you have a big challenge in your life, so of course you're like you're gonna get get upset and, and anxious and freaked out and fearful. Okay, that's normal, but that's not a time to make a choice. You want to get to that place where you have that settled mind. It doesn't mean you're happy because sometimes it, what's in front of you is not a happy situation. But if you're going to choose a doctor to make to do a surgery, you don't want to do it out of desperation. Okay, or because they're convenient because they're down the street or because somebody else told you no. You want to get to that place of that, those four C's. And that's when you're going to make good choices in life. So whatever works, works. For some people, I, I have to tell you, one of the worst pieces of marital advice, and I apologize if you think this is good, but I think it's terrible, is never go to bed angry. Right. Stay up, be exhausted, and fight it out. <laughs> no, sometimes it's better to go to, to bed angry. And you wake up and you're not so angry. 
But, and now you could talk it out. We call it in my book. I might have learned this from you, obviously. The 24 hour rule? Yeah, my husband. That's, no, that's my husband's rule. My husband has the 24 hour rule. What's the 24 hour rule? And I didn't even know he had this until decades into our marriage. He says he waits twice. So if I do something, which probably happened once or twice to make him upset in our marriage, if I do something that upsets him, he waits 24 hours before he brings it up. Now, when he teaches this to men, he goes, can you do that? Can you wait 24 hours before you bring it up? No, because we'll forget. So when the guys say, if I wait 24 hours, I'm going to forget. Like, they literally say it unironically. If the women were there, they'd be like, it was so important, not only because it was an injustice to you, but for all of mankind, of all the, your whole gender, you have to stand up for. And if 24 hours later, you can't even remember what it was, then maybe it wasn't so important. So sometimes... You do remember, but not you're, you're not so angry anymore. And now you can really talk it out. Yeah. So you want to be in that space where you may not be happy, but you have clarity. Sure. Okay. You are really in that space now. So sometimes you have to sleep on it. Yes. Sometimes you're going to go for a run. Yes. You're going to go for a swim. You're going to meditate. You're going to, you're going to, whatever works, works. What you want to do, whatever it takes to get to that space. Take the emotion out. You want to take the emotion out because nothing good ever happens when you're emotional. Listen, emotions are reality. They are reality. But this is a settled mind. That means that you there's a certain sense of peace, a certain sense of like, I'm, I'm in a good space where I have clarity yeah. so that I can make good choices. Very good, Lori. No, I, by the way, I have this 24-hour rule in my book, The 10 Secrets to a Passionate Marriage, which is free to download at coachwriter.com. Just a little plug for that for a free book. Just remember where it came from. Lori, let's go. So, right. By, by the way, my new book coming out called Incident Marriage, The Four Phases of a Loving Relationship, you're, you're, uh, there's a whole page on you, just so you know. Oh, it's in the book. Yeah. So um, what about people who are too picky? Let's get into that. Why, why are people, are people still single because they're just too picky about who they're going to marry? Okay. So when people say like, oh, don't be so picky. Listen, uh, what is this is what I do. I walk people through a certain process and I've done this workshop with you. We presented it together. Because, like, if you ask somebody, like, what are you looking for? Like, what do you, you know, there's a difference between what you want and what you need. I want, we all want this. I want this, I want this, I want that. But what do you need uniquely? When you ask a girl, what are you looking for? A guy, what you're looking for? They, they, they describe, like, like the girl goes, oh, I want somebody, you know, like, nice and, and, and successful and somebody who's, you know, kind and sensitive. They describe their best friend. Like, right. you know, something sensitive, somebody who has good communication. Um, if I set her up with a guy like that, she'd be like, not so happy. So what does the guy say? You know, I want somebody, you know, like attractive and somebody, you know, somebody nice and somebody like, you know, like slim. And did I say pretty? Okay. So that's what you should get. So what are you walk them through again, until you know who you are and where you're going, we don't know who to go with. So what is it about you, your good qualities and your stuff? What do you need in order to realize your potential? So I knew I didn't need an outgoing guy. Sure. I actually need a guy who is much more subtle, much more thoughtful. That's what I needed. I knew I knew, I, I knew that. I also know that, I don't know, I think I'm kind of funny or whatever. I don't need to marry Seinfeld, but I needed somebody who had a good sense of humor. Because one of the things when you send you think about marriage is like, what do you like about somebody's happy marriage? I remember there was one couple I thought, you know, they laugh together. Yeah. They enjoy each other. Sure. I wanted that. So I never even thought about that. But when I thought about not only a quality I have, because certain qualities you want to be the same, mm -hmm. right? We have to have the same values. I'm f I have a good sense of humor. I want it. He, he has a difference because he has a good sense of he humor. He doesn't understand yours. Really and enjoy you. Like, at least, so you, uh, that was important to me. 
but it's it's like you like these that again not just what you want but what you need so certain things are going to be the same and certain things are going to be complementary the extrovert introvert thing all right the idea of like i'm, I'm like very fast and quick but i can be a too impulsive my husband's very thoughtful and much more slow thinking which can be frustrating for me but i know that that's good for me because it slows me down so i make better choices i'm sure you have the same dynamic yes yeah well you're unbelievably fast I actually play word games and I can't believe, like I've played some people who are very smart, like my wife and other people we know, and you're just 10 times faster than that. Like you're very, very quick to mind. Yeah. So, but that's good, but it can also, your, 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 your best qualities can also be the boulder you stumble over. So I am quick and fast, but I need to learn on patience. I need patience. And I need to also, sometimes I can be, again, like a little bit impulsive because I'm fast. Sure. So I need to slow down and be more thoughtful. Okay. What about people who are still single because they're easily gaslighted. No, no, no. Can we go back to picky? Yes, sure. So again, you're not being picky when you realize, okay, these are the, ten, if you, like, I, what I, what the workshop is that you bring them down to like the 10 things. Right. Okay. So you basically get down to 10 qualities. Which by the way is also should be on my, uh, I'm putting it on my on my uh, website, com. will be downloadable worksheet, very easy, six, eight questions you answer. will help clarify the 10 things that are good to you in marriage not what you think you want. Yeah. So it's not that what you're good to do in marriage. These are the 10 qualities that you need in the person that you're married. Right. Okay. That these are the, this is what, you, what somebody knows what are you looking for? So you're, I, spoiler alert, you're not going to get all 10. <laughs> so one of the last things of the steps of is to put it in, once you've got these 10 things, after you've got through steps about thinking about who you are and your good qualities and your, 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 your stuff and what you admire in, a, in married couples and all these different things. When you get down, so one of the last steps, and people don't like to do this, is you prioritize one through ten. There was somebody we knew who was like, you know, a very thoughtful guy, and he was dating a girl, and there was something that was holding him back from like pulling the trigger, like to ask her to marry him. And he sat down with a friend, a rabbi, and he said, "Okay, I know I'm not going to get all ten, but and I think I think she's got a lot of things on the list, but I I don't know why I'm I'm being held back." So the rabbi said, prioritize the list. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, number one, I can't live without. Down two, it'd be nice to have, but I may not get it. So he agonized over the list that he was able to do it. Turns out she had seven out of the 10 things. But the bottom seven. The bottom seven. Right. And the rabbi asked him, what would you rather have? The top three yeah. or the bottom seven? Your top three, whatever it is that you come to, of what I need specifically for me, those three things, those are non-negotiable. Don't even go out with somebody if they don't have one of those things. And it's not like you're going to, in the middle of the date, like excuse yourself and go into the bathroom and look at your list. Okay. Once you do this, you will intuitively know, yeah. ah, that's, that's clarity. That is clarity. When you're, when you're a single person and you want to get married and you have your list of these are the 10 things that are good for me in a relationship that my, and then I fight that I need my spouse to have. And I can tell you something. I teach classes, you know, every week on dating and marriage. No one has this list. Now, if I ask somebody, like, they go, do you know anybody? I go, what are you looking for? Like, no, you don't. You know, I don't know. No, we hang up. Oh, no. No. <laughs> if you don't know, how are you going to know when you've had the perfect person? And then when somebody does ask you or you would, like, network, just like you're trying to find a job. If you're trying to find a spouse, like, you should be networking. Okay. Yeah. But you better know just like a job. Like, well, what kind of job are you looking for? I don't know. You would never say that. No. Okay. I'm looking for something in marketing communications. I'm looking for something. You know what you want. So you better say those one, two, or three things. It's about it's living in clarity. And it's not bad. And if you don't know what you need and what you're looking for, 
why you it's why would God bring you that person? You would pass the body. You know, we have a lot more to talk about than picky. I wanted to talk about the paradox paradox of choice theory, the three day rule. We have someone I mean, there's so much to talk about, but we're gonna move on because we have a lot of podcast to film. What about people who are easily gaslighted or people even manipulated by I I, I want to say more uh, women who are manipulated by men in order for physical relationships and they have an area you think men manipulate women more than women manipulate men I I from my perspective yes but maybe you have a different perspective I think there's a lot of women who manipulate men as well yeah uh, but they don't call it manipulate probably <laughs> <laughs> to use other words yeah so i think that there's stuff going on unhealthy things going on on both sides so tell me why you think men do it more i think the the, the term gaslighting comes to to that they show that they want to really want to get married when they really don't well i mean you know Gord, this, this is like so they're both misrep- 20 step misrepresenting they're 27 intention they're, they're misrepresenting they're, their intention they're 27 the, you know they're, they're making 350 a year they have a lot of cash they're decent looking they're in good shape they work out. i know a lot of girls who want to meet this guy they do, but they're not. They, they're not, they, they don't. Again, they have no intention of getting married. They're just doing. They find a woman who's nice looking, and they like her, and they the gas and They really don't want to get married. Now, again, eventually, sometimes this happens where they date them three, four years. Like, okay, now now I want to get married, but that doesn't always happen. And by then, the mar- the, the relationship's not so solid, and it falls apart. So, like, what I would tell a woman is. If you're interested in getting married, don't waste your time. No. You should have a certain timeline. Don't, don't let this go on forever. Right. You should have a certain timeline. And I have to tell you, I was just with somebody a couple of days ago, and she was telling me about this guy, and she dated him for a while, and finally she broke up with him. And she was telling me all these like crummy things about him. I go, why were you going out with him? I said, tell me something good about him yeah. that kept you in when he was being like stingy, and he was being he was unhappy, and he was always being critical. Like, why were you going out with him? She goes, I, w- I was giving it a chance. How long? So this is somebody who really, really wants to get married. Right. She's in her mid-30s. Sure. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Oh, her, her biological time clock. And I said, at the end, when you realize, I said, did you see those qualities? What the final thing at the beginning? And she said, yes. Yeah. So I would tell somebody, when God shows you who somebody is, believe him. Yeah, <laughs> right. So there's something called it. There's something called a due timeline. The due timeline is D-E-W. It's an acronym for dating, engagement, wet, and wedding. Okay. Right? So you set yourself a timeline. I'm going to date this person for this amount of time. And if we're not, and if after that, we're deciding to get married. If not, there'll be an engagement. If there's an engagement, this is how long my game is going to be. And then I'm going to have a wedding. But set yourself a timeline. Now, listen, you have to hold food. No, but like, at least you have something in your mind. Like, I'm not dating a guy for two years without having an engagement. Or some people are going to say three months. or Put a ring on it. Put a ring, put, put a ring, right? So then you have to have a timeline, and this is how long you got. Not engaged for two years, like you talked. We talked previously about long engagements are not very good. You should really be planning the life together. Short engagement, short engagement, happy long marriages. Yeah, and then, you know what's funny? One of the most memorable weddings I remember is my friend Todd Becchio. He got married. It was a barbecue on in Georgetown in, in D.C., and it was like it's a small wedding. So I don't know, 50, 60 people, and he had a barbecue outside under a tent. And it was so sweet. And thank God they're still happening here. It was such a sweet day. They didn't have to take two years to plan that. They didn't nothing. They had Barbie. They hired some company to come out. They had amateurs on. So it was great. Like, and I, and I remember that way. Like, what a sweet wedding. And everyone goes and does these things at these halls. It just spends a fortune five, six hours. Like, I, I know, I, I said we talked three years about this. Like, it's too much for me. Like, you know, it makes something different. You're like, I like these little things. Wedding days are important. They are people. should be happy. But we said before, like in a, in a previous podcast, 
very nothing good happens during engagement. A lot of emotion. The families are involved. Money's involved. It's like it's it becomes like it's not good. It's like you you know this is the person who have the clarity. You get engaged, get married. Right, right. So we're gonna go. So anyway, this is a very very good podcast on seven reasons why people are still single. And I think when you start understanding, getting clarity, and do this worksheet in, on my on my uh, on my website to help clarify the 10 things that are good for your relationship, have a clear vision you want, uh, make, maybe look at yourself that maybe I'm not emotionally available, maybe I don't love myself. I think when you understand these seven reasons, which I'm going to read to you right now, the seven reasons why you are still single, you are emotionally unavailable. Number two, you never got out of a previous relationship. Number three, your parents had a horrible marriage, so why should bother trying? Number four, you don't have a clear vision of what you want. Number five, you are too desperate. Number six, you are too picky. And number seven, you are easily gaslighted or manipulated. And I think that's the seven reasons why you're still single. And I think we would have any one of the clarity, I'm still single. What am I doing wrong? Why am I not married? I think that this, these, looking at these seven reasons will help you to gain clarity and allow yourself to open your heart. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Living and Clarity Podcast. I'm Coach Ratner. This is Lori Palatnik, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching the Living and Clarity Podcast. If you enjoyed our episode, please like, comment, or subscribe. We'll see you next time.